I never noticed that because, like, I don't. I, I've, I'm broken. Like something, something has happened. There's something wrong with my brain. Because, like, I, I don't know. I'm like, I'm super annoying. Like, I'm annoying myself. You know, you're not. You're not annoying. <laughs> But honestly, like I, I walk around in the in the apartment and <laughs> making like and then I open a cupboard and go like constantly, constantly. <laughs> Did I do that before? Because I, I, I think a little bit. No, you just that's. I feel like I do something similar where like I talk to inanimate objects constantly and sometimes Patrick will be around and he's like, what'd you say? I'm like, oh, I was talking, talking to, the to the knife. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, all right. <laughs> and I'm like, ignore me. Shoop, boop, boop. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm really not one to judge, honestly. Yeah, Ian said that he's gotten really good at filtering me. <laughs> now he's looking at me very angrily. Hey there. Baha. Okay, I'm going to get coffee. I'm going to get coffee. He just closed the door and went away. Oh! He said that he's gonna make some coffee, and I was like, "Can you make me some?" And then he just closed the door and walked away. <laughs> oh no! The denial of coffee is the worst denial. I don't know. So I think he heard me. He's probably gonna make, but it's we'll see. But we'll hear in. I'm gonna say like a minute. <sighs> sound cool cool blip 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 hello 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 it always seems it always seems weird to say like hello because we we've been talking but there's no other way to start but like hello how are you <laughs> we could we could start like howdy no, <laughs> that was horrible. That was, I just, I felt the instant regret. <laughs> no. You're just like, howdy, no. <laughs> howdy, y'all. I was trying yeah, to say that. that. <laughs> no. So let's get into it. Yep. I forgot. Do we introduce ourselves? Did we do that before? No. Yes. No, no. No. I mean, we did it when the like years ago. Yeah. Not years ago, like a year ago. But then we stopped doing that because there's just two of us. Just you know, two of us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think you nailed it. I think we should start every podcast with you singing a little jig, and then we just move right along. <gasps> <laughs> oh, I can. I have ideas. <laughs> I do have a right. recorder here. <laughs> oh boy! Oh no! Oh no! Oh, what, no. what have I? What have I? What have I started? What hath I wrought upon the world? Hey, hey, hey! I played it. At least. <laughs> At least. A few times, 15 years ago, mm. so excuse you. I'm, I'm so sorry, <laughs> world-class uh, recorder player over here. That's, that's my bad. I'm, I'm, I didn't mean to disrespect you like that. I'm so sorry. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Right. So the film we watched this week was at your recommendation. Yes. 
<laughs> trying to yeah because it's a horror film no i <laughs> i didn't mean to i straight up like i straight up just kind of forgot the title oh, for no. a second so i was like it's uh but then once i remembered it then it felt awkward to say <laughs> right so we watched the film his house it was released just like on netflix the poster has the little like uh, Netflix thing, like out in cinemas and on Netflix type thing. So yeah. it is a BBC film. So I don't know. I don't really know what that means, like BBC film wise. Like or the studio. The BBC television. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how it works because there's the BBC like television shows and stuff. But I don't know. Since BBC has such like a wide range of programs, I feel like it means less when you say BBC film because. It's not like saying, oh, a Lifetime movie or, oh, an HBO film. Like <laughs> saying a BBC film, I don't, to me at least, it doesn't tell me a lot of information about what kind yeah, of film yeah, it no, is. Yeah, true, you know? true. But then again, I guess Netflix film doesn't really tell you a lot of information anymore either. No, because like I've noticed that when, when they say Netflix original, it doesn't mean that it's only on Netflix and it was only made for Netflix. I don't really understand yeah. the concept of Netflix and original because, like, the things that say that they're Netflix originals are also on other platforms. Yeah. But we're getting sidetracked again. So, yeah, His House is a film by Remy Weeks, who also, he directed it and he also wrote it. I suppose you can put it in the genre of horror, psychological thriller type film. It follows a refugee couple from South Sudan who are seeking asylum in the UK. The film begins with them being granted temporary asylum. So they're assigned a house and a very small budget to buy food and groceries and some things for the house while they basically wait to find out if they're going to be allowed to stay based on how well they assimilate but they get to this house and they find that the house is not exactly what you would expect there's creepy happenings going on which put a strain not only on this couple's relationship but also their ability to fit in with the new culture that they've just been thrust into. So I think that's kind of the general idea, but it takes some really interesting twists and turns along the way. Not your typical horror film. No, no, definitely. And because uh, we're going to talk about a lot of aspect, like things, points in this film. I think it's good to say at this point that it's going to be very spoiler heavy and it has very interesting twists. So for those who haven't yet seen it, for the three listeners that we have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think all of our podcasts are pretty spoiler heavy. So yeah. we should just put that out from the outset that it's always going to be spoilers. But especially with a film like this that has some really key moments that you might not see coming, it could definitely impact your viewing experience a lot if you already know what's coming. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, pause now, watch it, and come back. Exactly. We definitely, as opposed to last week, we definitely recommend this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So... um the film starts very traditionally, starting credits, you get the like all the logos and all the stuff, but throughout the credits, you get this very ominous, spooky, uh, creepy, that kind of like very horror-esque um, type of unsettling music slash sounds, because it's not really music, but it is like sharp pitch sounds and screeches and uh, like that kind of weird horror sound and uh the whole film starts with that kind of already you you have that kind of unsettling feeling because you sit there just listening to these these sounds then it just cuts to a very dark scene of a refugee boat in the sea you don't really see the outside it's just, the only thing that you see is very dark clouds and a stormy sea and a overstuffed tiny boat 
full with people and then that kind of storm sounds yeah it's a strong start for a film because you are immediately thrown into this kind of very dark things are obscured you don't really see what's happening you see a lot of people kind of scream and you can see the the storm brewing you can like very like unsettled about what's going to happen because like the image is so that kind of refugee boat imagery is very present in our media at the moment and yeah, yeah people drowning and bodies of refugees being washed to the shores of greece so that whole imagery is very present at the moment so for a horror film to start with that kind of very traditional screeching unsettling spooky noises and then cutting in directly to a refugee boat clearly in the midst of sinking in a storm it's a powerful way to start a film because it kind of pulls you in already definitely definitely it it completely subverts the normal way that a haunted house film starts right because the kind of cliche haunted house film starts with everything is good life is fine we're moving up in a in the world there's a you know a, a change in life we're moving elsewhere but this new house is amazing and it's going to be great and life is pretty perfect and we have you, you know like that that kind of thing the the sort of opening that you would see in the film that we watched last week the things heard and seen right where mm. life is pretty good and then we move to the house and then things get bad whereas this film starts with trauma you know one of yeah exactly in the same way that midsummer starts you know exactly yeah exactly midsummer starts with a massive trauma and this film also starts with a massive trauma uh we're brought in not on life being calm and all right but on life being about as unstable and chaotic and traumatizing as it can be and then we're moved into life in I don't know what they're called in the UK, but the equivalent of like a detention center where refugees seeking asylum are just meant to wait while their cases are examined. And we find out that the beginning of the film, it looks like one of the main characters, Bull, was dreaming and he was having a nightmare reliving the boat ride that was part of their journey to getting to the UK. But yeah. Yeah, definitely an intense way to start to start a film for sure also the contrast between the starting like the the, the flashback in a way because you don't really see the boat sink you don't see anything you just see these people in distress in a boat in a stormy weather and then it cuts again to a small room in the in the center and um bull waking up with his wife sitting beside him, holding him and uh, just being present um, and together. It is very different for a generic horror slasher moving to a house thing. Because like the, the core aspects are the same. There is an event that happened yeah. that made the family move to another place and then the other place is kind of spooky. But yeah. the way it is presented, it's not supernatural it's not something that would be in a horror story it feels really real and uh i wouldn't say relatable because like i i do not know how to like i would have no idea how to really like even imagine how that might feel or to live with that kind of trauma but yeah. i would say that it makes it easier to imagine maybe that kind of split that split between having to live with the thing that happened and also somehow still keep your shit together in order to stay presentable stay keep your appearance in a way that pleases the people who evaluate you and pleases the system in a way that you are eventually then granted asylum yeah you know I, uh, and at the risk of being 
reductive. A huge part of this film is about how do you keep your shit together, like you said. How do you not only move forward, but just exist after having gone through intensely traumatic experiences? How do you pull yourself together to live and not only that but how when you're a refugee do you handle all of the things that you went through in combination with all of the things you're going through now how do you reconcile those things in order to yeah to exist like basically without you know uh, yeah it's that kind of base level of of living. Um, yeah, on top of that, even it's that dualism with um, your own history, your own culture, your own habits from your home, your own like your own. Oh God, what's the word? Your own like identity, and then being put in the pl- into a place where that is questioned in a way that you need to still keep the thing that you are but also mm-hmm. change it to fit the new environment that you know nothing about. Have that kind of, like that dualism in your life where you have to choose in a way or have to balance what aspects from your past you keep and what are you willing to lose and what are you willing to change in order to just fit in or uh, fit the standard, fit fit the the form that the 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 government is making you fit in yeah. on top of the, all the trauma and losing your family losing everyone you know and then you're just thrown into a random town you don't even know where it is and you are required to dress like the people where you live dress uh speak the way that they speak like yeah. act the way that they do and so in 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 a, in a way that Jordan Peele didn't get out, and like a lot of his horror films, I think this is also a very good example of a film criticizing our society and our way of handling certain groups of people in our society, and then kind of masking it into a so-called horror film. Definitely, I think what's Interesting, though, too, is that whereas, especially with Jordan Peele's film Us, there's a pretty big focus on a larger level, like looking at things from the context of society. What I think this film does differently is it focuses so intensely on the internal struggle that results from all of these external struggles that these people are going through. So what happens to you and your identity and how do you renegotiate yourself when you have chosen to leave your homeland and everyone you know out of deep fear for your life and reconciling with that your past actions and the things that you've gone through with all the things you now have to continue to do in order to maintain how far you've come and how do you acknowledge that you might never quite fit in in a way that is expected of you? How do you still maintain the parts of you that you had in the past in a certain place, in a certain language, with certain customs and people and cultures and life and way of living with this now entirely new way of living with different people and different expectations and pressures. How do you live knowing that you have like lived these very different lives and still maintain them both in your identity. Yeah, and I think the whole name of the film already plays into this whole split identity type of thing, because the name is His House, but then the main characters constantly keep saying 
this is our home this is our home and then especially the husband is like this is our home now we have to stay here and he he's the one who is really pushing with eating with cutlery dressing like british people he goes to store in one scene he goes to store and actually like buys the clothes from the ads or a, especially yeah. a ad that depicts a very traditional happy white family yeah yeah <laughs> with 2.5 kids and like that kind of very like generic poster family and then he buys the clothes to fit that I really thought was an interesting thing was the fact that they kept on stating that this is our home and really wanting that to be their home while their home and the outside of the home, the area is constantly physically trying to refuse them from the area. The house is full of trash, the whole yard, people are peeing in the yard. When the wife, Rial, finally uh, gets the courage to leave the home and then explore a bit the outside of the house, she gets lost in the area and runs into these three black kids and tries to speak her own language to them and tries to help ask for directions from them because there is probably that familiarity aspect that these are people that look like me so maybe I can make some kind of connection they probably know some like they have roots in Africa and like that kind of final grab of their in a way lost home and then being refused directly harassed and being very racially refused by these three young boys yeah and they make fun of her and when she does switch to english they make fun of her accent and you'll go back to your home country in this country we speak english and it's yeah yeah and i think you get these very subtle well not always very subtle but i think for the most part these external things are more subtle you have the group of boys who says like oh go back to your country but you also get like you mentioned before when bowl is shopping for new clothes uh to try and fit in more with this new life it isn't addressed explicitly but the security guard in the store immediately starts following him once he walks in and so you get you get all these little small things you get little jabs from people in like the rehousing office towards him when they're like oh your house is bigger than mine type thing there's a lot of little things that are external as well that they don't explicitly address but i think since the focus is on what's internal it isn't addressed explicitly it seems like the it's not really the outside is not accepting the two into that environment so all the like the importance like the the kind of spooky things happen and then the battling with the ptsd and and the, the whole conflict with uh your own identity versus the identity that the government wants you to have type of thing um happens inside the house yeah yeah, that's, a, and then that's the, exactly it. And then the outside is more noise, a general refusal, general race. Like not, I'm not, I don't want to say like general racism, but just like racism in a way that when you go to a store, a guard follows you and and yeah. racially stereotyped. And it already started like from the moment they get the housing and they're, having their interview with uh, I don't know is it a committee or when they say that you got a house and they start lay, laying lay, yeah laying rules what they are not allowed to do so they're not allowed to go anywhere they have to stay at that address they're um, not allowed to work or earn money and then when they finally get to the yeah when they get to the house when the counselor played by Matt Smith, starts reading the different 
rules of the house that you're not allowed to par have parties in the house you're not allowed to have friends you're not allowed to do this you're not allowed to do like full-on list what they're not allowed to yeah. do in their home basically mm -hmm. it, it it just feels absurd yeah like it, it yeah, feels it like really the, yeah it feels like the the whole system is already building into a into a, a system that just enables failure and requires from people with with huge loads of trauma and culture shock to cope in an over scrutinized way of living in a way because yeah if if they were someone from england or like a like a native that would get subsidized housing and that would be the the way that they would go, get the housing i do not think that that would go through yeah no definitely it, it just emphasizes the whole power dynamics in the in the whole situation where the refugees just have to do what they're being told that they have to do in order to maybe get asylum. And if they don't, yeah, then they are always welcome to go back to where they came from. Because that is... Yeah. That narrative played out. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's interesting that you mention it being kind of absurd when, like, Matt Smith is... Uh, listing out these rules of what you can and can't do because it seems like the film definitely knows the absurdity of these external things that are going on and it seems to kind of play that out in different ways as well so not only this institution that is now basically in control of their lives has these sort of just ridiculous rules and you know the place that they put them in to live is just kind of ridiculous and the fact that they didn't tell them what city they sent them to is absurd a lot of the things that are external to the house every time bull and real leave the house there's some element that is a little bit surreal so for example, the first time Rial leaves the house, when you said she gets lost, part of her being lost is played as surrealist thing that happens because she's wandering through these other houses and sort of kind of stone wall fence things. And she comes to a dead end. And at this dead end, she sees a boy just kind of playing with a ball. And she realizes that she's dead ended. So she turns around and goes elsewhere and she goes outside where she was before she's walking down a sidewalk now down the street and outside of the wall she sees the same boy bouncing the ball again but in a different location and it doesn't really make sense how he could have gotten there because he was just inside the walled off area bouncing the ball and the only way to get out would be ostensibly the way that she went, but she didn't see him leave. So it's just kind of these small little like weird breaks in reality that just add to the not only the absurdity of the institutions and the situation that they're in, but also compound the difficulty of trying to fit in and make your way around when seemingly the world around you literally has no logic if this child can teleport to the other side of a wall. And it's not like, it's not played as supernatural, it's just played as these small things that are out of place. The only breaks with reality that get any sort of explanation are the ones that happen inside the house that are tied to, if you want to call it the house is haunting, but it's really a kind of haunting of this pair, specifically of Bull, because of things that happened in their journey. When 
Bowl sees like these creepy images and masks and children crawling through the walls and creepy hands and things like that. It's explained as this entity purposefully showing this to him because he's done something that he wasn't supposed to do. Whereas the things that go on outside of the house that are just these small breaks with reality don't get any explanation at all because they're just like, well, the world is strange now because we've moved here. And that's that. Yeah, no, that is a, I think that's a very good point because the outside inherently is already weird and different for these characters. So they wouldn't like, you have no reason to question these other weird things that happen. Because yeah. it just, all of it is weird. The whole scene in the bar and singing a football song together was very weird. Weird. Because they were all singing together, but they clearly weren't like a comrade that type of situation. But yeah, all the kind of the, the inner battle with, with these ghosts of their pasts and uh, the entity constantly whispering in their ear to say that you have a debt that you need to repay the debt all of it happens in the dark in the house yeah and we're given you know we haven't specified up until this point because the movie waits until the end to really give you the actual explanation of why they're being haunted in this way but it's that in the beginning, the the first parts of the film were made to think that uh, this couple had a daughter that drowned in those beginning nightmare scenes that we see that Bull has that the film starts with because uh, Rial has a doll and you hear calls of like, mama, mama. Uh, and she has like this children's doll and she takes off the beads and wears it as a necklace. Like she acts as though she's a, a grieving mother, someone who's lost a child. And you can tell that this couple is really traumatized by something. And it's played for a while as they did lose their daughter. But you find out that the reason why they're being haunted is that the girl who drowned on the boat wasn't actually their daughter in order to make it out of Sudan it looked like a bus that was heading out of Sudan and it was a very chaotic situation. And you see coming up like on the horizon are, uh, you know, men with guns and you start to hear gunfire and stuff. And it's very panicked. And it looks like Bol and Rial aren't going to make it uh, onto the bus. And the woman on the bus is saying, no, we don't have any more room. We're taking children. And so Bol looks next to him and there's a girl seemingly without a parental figure. So he grabs this girl and he says, this is our child, let us on. And so the woman does. And then you see that the child obviously did have a mother and the mother is calling out to the, calling out to the child as the bus drives away. And on the part of the journey where they're on the boat, uh, and it's very stormy and the boat gets tipped over. The girl doesn't know how to swim and she drowns. And so that's the quote unquote debt that has to be repaid by this entity that is haunting, you know, the two of them, but mostly Bowl, because Rial does acknowledge the existence of this entity, but she isn't scared by it and it isn't giving her the same horrific images and making her relive uh, everything that they went to in this PTSD sort of way that Bowl is. She just has conversations with this thing and there's even a scene where Rial asks Bowl, you know, don't you wonder like what it's telling me don't you wonder what we talk about instead of just calling me crazy like don't you i know it's giving you visions and making you see things don't you wonder what it's making me see tomorrow we will find you something to do something in the community make friends be good we're not like them we can be you don't wonder what it tells me All right. Maybe you are mad. 
frightening yourself with imaginary things in the dark. After all we've endured, after what we have seen, what men can do, you think it is bumps in the night that frighten me? You think I can be afraid of ghosts? It says I can get her back. Right, so for her, this this whole happening isn't something to be afraid of. She's kind of accepted the fact that like this debt must be paid in some way. Yeah, that it's more of a reconciliation type of thing. Yeah. For her. And you also don't really it, it goes pretty like pretty long before you find out what happened to Rial. Why 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 they left Sudan in the first place? You, yeah, like you find pretty find out pretty early on that when Rial goes to the doctor, she her whole family was slaughtered and uh, that it was another tribe and that she had to adapt the identity of both tri- both tribes in order to survive. But you don't really get get the whole situation before yeah, before the end when you're shown Rial's kind of flashback into yeah. the situation. And uh, what is different to Bull's flashbacks, Rial's, she gets to have conversations with her past family and kind of reconcile through that. It is a bit like I personally, I I coded it as a flashback, the whole thing. When you see Rial's past and Bol find Rial in the in this in the classroom where her whole family yeah. or friend group is, They're like the whole basically women part of the tribe is slaughtered, um, and yeah. she being the sole survivor survivor in that room, I kind of thought that that would be that that is a flashback that also Rial sees. That that is a situation yeah. that she is reliving. Yeah. Yeah, in a way i thought that as well and it it models too with because obviously the the conversations she gets to have i think we're led to believe that this entity has something to do with her being able to talk to these people in her past at one point she imagines that she leaves this new house but when she like opens the door then she opens the door basically like right back to Sudan and then she's greeted by a bunch of her friends and she gets to have a conversation where they help her and by extension help the audience understand what actually happened with this child and that it wasn't their child but then it morphs into a flashback where she's all those same people who she was just talking to are slaughtered but you know there's some kind of break and difference because she changes location without any sort of logic like she goes from sitting in a circle with these women and talking to them to the room is empty and she's hiding in uh like a floor cabinet uh yeah type piece of furniture and she opens it and then she sees everyone is dead and then bull comes in and then there's this slow realization that we've morphed into a flashback that then proceeds into showing us how they run into the the little girl and how bull takes her yeah Um, but it's interesting there's like this kind of back and forth between what actually happened versus what the entity is helping to show real so she realizes the yeah the the situation and what's happened not that real didn't know that you know she she knew obviously that it wasn't her child but there's still kind of this like yeah and again it plays into that whole external internal friction yeah you know definitely dividing flashbacks within flashbacks in a way um yeah, like, flashbacks within flashbacks within visions that are happening yeah. in the present within flashbacks, within nightmares, within like a surrealist hell that doesn't happen in any time. Like, yeah, yeah. Because like, uh, especially when Rial gets to talk to her friends in the classroom, um, you first hear 
the voices of the friends and it's very like it is a basically a therapy session of her realizing and kind of coming coming to grips of what happened and what they did and that they had to survive and um what has to happen in order for them to move on and then you start hearing the voice of the entity that kind of low raspy male voice yeah saying basically you know what you have to do and then you see a kitchen like a knife yeah um, and the 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 logic of this entity is that it can interact with them but it cannot touch them and it wants the debt to be repaid so it wants it phrases it as like cutting open bull's flesh in a way so that way this entity has an entry point so that way it can consume bull in a way and then for that the little girl will come back a little bit eye for an eye type logic where you have to repay this debt life for life yeah yeah and um and i think it was interesting that you used the word consume because that is very i think fitting in a way because bull cuts in the end bull cuts a small incision like uh not even a sm- i wouldn't say small but small in the no, sense it's that a pretty it wouldn't big cut on his arm it, yeah but it wouldn't kill you like i'm saying in that no. way it's not a fatal thing it's just it would need probably four stitches five stitches but yeah. um it is enough for the entity to kind of emerge from the shadows and then start like physically pushing himself on their bull skin underneath yeah yeah exactly and i think what's important too is like bowl is the one who cuts his skin and you think for a moment that it's going to be real because real is let in on the the supernatural logic in into how this entity is operating and bowl was given this ultimatum before and he denied it and was shown all these scary visions and went kind of catatonic, but recovered. Uh, but you, you're made to believe for a while that Bull would, would never do that because he can't acknowledge what he's done. Uh, but when the kitchen knife does come into play and you think it's going to be Rial who takes control, uh, Bull finally accepts what has to happen and is the one to cut himself. Yeah, and through that also reconcile what he has done. What I found interesting in this whole dynamic with the entity is that the entity is a horror version of a white man trying to crawl into a black man's skin. Yeah, which is a loaded image. Yeah, and um, and also the entity, I think it, he... like. I feel, for my ears, he sounded English. I couldn't quite discern an accent, but it wouldn't surprise me. Because at a time they were, like, I think around halfway the film, uh, Rianne started talking about kind of, uh, not a witch, but but something in that vein. A sorcerer. Was, she, or... called it, she called it an apath. Yeah, an apath. Something, someone who does magic in a way puts curses on people if they are wronged and and also they they kind of emphasize the fact that they brought the apeth with them from africa yeah so for the entity to be an english-speaking white man i thought that was interesting i didn't even think about that but yeah you're right and the fact that that it was crawling in under his skin for me that played into the whole idea of the system itself the like physically assimilate yeah into that society by like turning your insides basically physically white in order to fit in but then instead of full-on renouncing your your history and your traditions you kind of refuse this this entity by like physically Rian killing it yeah i didn't i didn't really see that coming because Rian leaves and goes to another room when this entity starts coming 
and it begins to crawl underneath full skin. And then we see the little girl start to emerge and she walks up and Riel touches her hand, I think. But then next thing you know, Riel turns back and kills this entity thing and saves Bull's life. What I thought it was a was a very powerful way of creating a situation where Bull, by accepting the fact that he has to pay the debt, he acknowledges his past, his kind of heritage, his whole history of his tribe and everything that has happened. And then Rial killing the entity is her way of reconciling the fact that they're no longer in that old environment but they're in a new environment their new home where they yeah want to stay and they have to find a way to kind of make a life there so by her her killing the entity she's also kind of killing a part of her own beliefs that came with that both are coming from polar opposites of wanting to assimilate in fully into the English culture and renouncing everything that is so-called African. And then the other one wanting to renounce everything that is English, wanting to go back to Africa, to Sudan, because um, they don't belong here. And then yeah, by this one scene, they somehow find a middle ground. Yeah, like you said, a, a big struggle and something that begins to really tear apart at their relationship with each other, independent of what the entity is doing, is how their different views on coming here. And you you get the sense that, I mean, Bull is trying to do everything he can to assimilate and he's buying the quote-unquote like perfect English clothes and is trying to do all these things and insisting on speaking English all the time, whereas Rial is still speaking her native language and gets frustrated when Bull wants to speak in English. And the counselor, Matt Smith, shows up for a visit to check out some of the reports that Bull gave about uh, disturbance in insects and vermin when Bull was really talking about the, uh, the entity that's haunting him. And Rial comes down. She basically tries to do intentionally everything she can to not fit in because she has decided that they won't let them fit in. So she won't try anymore. Like she's basically given up. And so she comes downstairs and she's wearing like a bed sheet as if it's her traditional clothes. And she's done you know, all all sorts of things. And she gives away that there's like a witch haunting them and all of these things to to play into any stereotypes that these people may have about her. And then when they leave, you know, she acknowledges what she's done. She's like, well, they already think we're crazy. So let them think that we're crazy. And they're just operating on complete opposite ends. And so you're right when it comes down to this entity they both have to face two different sides of it. Bull has to let it in and she has to, in a sense, let some of it out. Yeah, yeah. And you get kind of these hints already in the beginning because like when Bull and Riel are going out to ex- so-called explore the area in diff- on different yeah. times, they both have polar opposite experiences yeah think about bull goes to like a barber to get his hair cut walks past the church and the church has a person in front of the door who who yells at him is about like are you a refugee one of those refugees and you almost assume that there's going to come some racist insults after that but yeah it doesn't turn out to be that but it turns out that he has he's a church person that has I think, donation boxes for refugees. So on his way, he gets a haircut. He gets food and linens and like basically house stuff from a church. Then he goes to a bar to have a beer and has this kind of 
communal moment where they all sing the same song yeah. which from a viewer's perspective was very odd because like the townspeople were clearly weirded out by this and it, it was just a weird situation but it was still them singing the same song and watching football matches so in a yeah. way a very like accepting situation yeah where she then yeah, yeah on the other hand, had got lost, didn't get any help, had a weird encounter in the hospital with the nurse who clearly was weird, like in a way, very uncomfortable with her. And uh, and then being harassed, verbally assaulted. Yeah, accosted, yeah. Yeah. So for it to be a horror film, yeah, sure, it is. It is a horror film. It has very spooky instances. But it is also, it's a very powerful film in a way that it puts very hard emphasis on the infrastructure of the refugee crisis and how it is portrayed. It demonstrates, I think, the whole experience in a more raw way and a way that maybe it is for someone who doesn't live through that kind of experience, hasn't lived through it in that kind of experience, can somehow also feel what they must be feeling, if you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and, you know, the film kind of culminates in that where at the end, Bol and Rial stand together and they look through the doorway and they look at the little girl who died and she's standing with a bunch of other people who you can assume are people who didn't make the journey, uh, whether it be that exact journey or a different one as refugees and then it cuts back to Bol and Rial but they're not alone and you get a whole slew of other immigrants with them of all different races and nationalities so again it just brings it back as the kind of story about reconciling your past with your present and going through that that kind of experience yeah highly recommend this film Go watch it. Definitely recommend. Any thoughts for what we should watch next week? Not really. You pick. Oof. Oof. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And I know we're running out of time. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, I saw what looked interesting. Is it bad if we do another horror movie? Nope. Nope. We can because there's one on Netflix that just came out. Woman uh, in the Window? Is that what it's called? Amy McAdams. With fame. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. Amy Adams. The Woman in the Mac Window. Adams. Amy Adams. Yeah. I knew Amy that. Adams, Woman in yeah, the Window. Yeah, we can do that. Sounds good. Cool. Sounds good. All right. I'll see you next week. With The Woman in the Window. I guess the that's what it was called. <laughs> Yes. (laughs) We'll find out. (laughs) Next week. Bye. Bye.